You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. If you have your Bible, will you grab that and go with me to the book of Proverbs? We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 31 this morning, Proverbs 31. Hey, if you don't own a Bible, we would love to give you one. You'll find stacks of Bibles on those tables in the back of the room. You can take one now or on your way out of worship today. That's our gift to you. The, uh, the full text on which today's teaching is based is Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31. And uh, if you're willing and able, I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. We stand because we truly believe this is the Word of God. God is speaking to us here and now. So, listen carefully to Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates and when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children, they rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you, you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Recently on Sunday mornings, we have been in a series called Deathly Devices. We've been learning about how our devices awaken within us the so-called seven deadly sins, better called the seven capital vices. But today, we're going to take a one-week break from that series. We're going to set aside the vices in order to focus on the virtuous woman. Fitting topic for the day, right? You might have seen or at least heard about a very popular documentary that came out last year called What is a Woman? What is a Woman? The tagline is something like one man's journey to answer the question of a generation. Follows a man named Matt Walsh, a political commentator. He travels throughout the world asking a very simple question What is a woman? It's a sometimes comical, but all in all, disturbing documentary. 
our world is profoundly confused on the subject of gender. And yet, the Bible is very clear on the subject. God fearfully and wonderfully makes each person either male or female. Our feelings are important, but they are not our final authority. Because we are fallen people, because our hearts are sinful, our feelings can mislead us. Our feelings can cause us to think, feel something that's not true. The most reliable marker of who you are is your God-given body. And so that means it's good to be a man if God made you a man. And it's good to be a woman if God made you a woman. Now, I know that's not popular to hear today, but it is the truth. And as, as I've said before, truth will sound like hate when you've been conditioned to hate the truth. So it's good to just remind ourselves here at the outset of what God's Word teaches us about the gender binary. Now, the follow-up question we need to ask, and the one we'll ask today, is what is biblical womanhood? What is biblical womanhood? So if God made you a woman, how does He desire you to live as a woman? What virtues should you pursue? What actions should you prioritize? Proverbs 31 is a great place to begin. The book of Proverbs is a highly practical, very helpful book, one of the most helpful books in the Bible. If you're not familiar with the Bible, essentially it has two large sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Today we're in the Old Testament, which begins with the history of the world, the history of God's people, but toward the middle of the Old Testament, we get a group of writings that are commonly referred to as wisdom literature. This is not so much the history of God's people, it's writings from among God's people, prayers, songs, and Proverbs. Proverbs 31, and the end of Proverbs 31 is a very famous passage. It's set up as an acrostic. Each verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, the reason the writer does this is to give us a sense of completeness, of totality. Here, he covers everything about the subject, from A to Z, as it were. Proverbs 31 is set up as well like a heroic hymn. We have lots of examples of these types of hymns from the ancient world, but normally they celebrate a great warrior, a man who's been victorious in battle, but Proverbs 31 is different. This hymn celebrates the valiant woman. The valiant woman. This woman, her life is so beautiful that God himself describes her life as beautiful, as excellent, as valiant. That's the opening line. The valiant woman. A wise woman today will strive to be like her. A wise man who has found her will celebrate her. And a wise young man will seek to marry her. Let's learn more about her. We're going to divide this poem into three parts, and we're going to learn about the valiant woman's value, why she's so valuable, her activities, what her priorities are, and then finally, her admiration, how her family praises her. So first, her value. 
Let's take this one verse at a time, beginning in verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. So here's that opening phrase, an excellent wife, a valiant woman. It begins with a rhetorical question to help us understand the rarity of this type of woman. And when you find her, what a treasure she is. Like a man who's been digging in the mines for so long and finally he gets a glimmer of the treasure. Men, if you can choose between all of the world's riches and the valiant woman, choose the valiant woman. She's that valuable. She's that impressive. Far more precious than jewels. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. Now, verse 11 is remarkable, surprising, shocking, really, because normally in the Bible, we're taught not to trust in people, right? Normally in the Bible, trust in anyone or anything other than God is condemned. But here we're told that the husband, his heart can trust in his wife. He can trust in this valiant woman. Every man will want to be strong for his wife. But there will come a time when he will need to show that he can be vulnerable, that he can be weak. He'll need to be honest about that because, you see, no matter how many times we try to be strong, there will come a point where our strength will fail. Every man is mere man. So at some point, gentlemen, your nerve will fail, your heart will fail, something will fail. You will become keenly aware of the fact that you need help. And that's where this proverb says, he will have no lack of gain. Now, this word translated as gain, it can also mean spoils, as in the spoils of war. It's a military metaphor. The valiant woman is now pictured as a warrior. A warrior who fights fiercely for her husband, for her family. So important is she that without her, the battle would be lost. She's there to fight for her family. She does her husband good, not harm, all the days of her life. She fights tirelessly, it seems. At the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1, we read of the creation of all things. And again and again, we see this phrase used, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was very good. And then in Genesis 2, the narrator zooms in on the creation of the first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve. For the first time in Genesis 2, God says something is not good. Something is incomplete. Something is lacking. It's not good for the man to be alone. And so God made for him a helper, the woman. Now this word helper, it's a weak translation of the Hebrew. Helper is not a synonym for domestic servant, for maid. No, it's interesting that that same Hebrew word in the Bible normally refers to God himself. And in other passages, helper is someone who comes in to help win the battle in a military context. The woman is the strong helper. The strong helper without whom the battle will be lost. Men, there will come a time when we will have no armor left. And we will see how much we need the strong helper. I remember a time in our marriage many years ago when I had no armor left. When the battle before us seemed unwinnable. I remember it like it was yesterday. We were in a hospital room at Children's Hospital in Birmingham, Alabama. 
Our youngest son, Cullen, who was about four years old at the time, we just, had just learned that he had suffered a stroke. And there he was in the hospital bed at the time, unable to walk, unable to smile. We didn't know what to do. So we knelt beside the hospital bed to pray. But when the time came for me to voice the prayer, I couldn't do it. In that moment, I broke down. All I could do was cry. And in that moment, I remember Jamie taking my hand. And I remember her voicing the prayer that I couldn't. Men, the valiant woman is the strong helper in your life. Without her, the battle will be lost. That's her value. Men of whatever age, if you have the choice between all the world's riches and the valiant woman, choose the valiant woman. That's her value. Second, let's look at her activities. And this is the majority of the proverb. We first learn that this woman is a master at the domestic arts. Verses 13 to 15, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidservants. We learn here that her priority is her home. That's important. Her priority is her home, but that doesn't mean that she's stuck in the home. Notice here, she's going out and she's seeking wool and flax. These would have been used to make clothing for her family and for the other members of her household servants and people like that. She does all of this with willing hands, with a glad heart. She's like the ships of the merchant. Her weaving industry carries her far and wide, provides additional income for the family so that she can sail to faraway lands and bring home the delicacies for her family, delicacies from afar. She rises while it is yet night. Now remember earlier we saw a military metaphor. The valiant woman is a warrior. Here we have a hunting metaphor. Now she's a huntress. Like a lioness who goes out at night hunting to provide the food for her cubs, so the valiant woman is willing to sacrifice her own comfort, sacrifice sleep, sacrifice for her family to provide for them. More than that, verses 16 to 18, she considers a field and she buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Not only is she a warrior, weaver, huntress, but now we learn she's into real estate. She's a vintner. She plants a vineyard. She considers a field and she buys it. Then she plants the vineyard there. Presumably she hires the workers necessary to prepare the land. She dresses herself with strength, showing us how how much powerful energy this woman has. Her tenacity to complete the task. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out. Her lamp does not go out. Now, this is important. Because on the one hand, it shows us, like the image of the lioness earlier, that this woman is willing to sacrifice. She sacrifices her comfort. She sacrifices her sleep for the sake of her family. 
But later in the proverb, we're going to learn that this woman is not a workaholic. She's not a workaholic. She knows the importance of caring for her own body, caring for her own soul. She knows that those things are necessary if she's going to serve her family the way God has called her to. So she's not a workaholic. But this does show us that she's willing to sacrifice, and it probably also points to the prosperity of the family. Because of the additional income that this valiant woman brings, they don't have to worry about snuffing out the light at night. The Lord has provided plentifully for them. Now listen, think about all the things we've learned already. She's a warrior. She's a weaver. She's a huntress, a realtor, a vintner. Ladies, you must be thinking, how in the world, what can't this woman do? How in the world can one person accomplish all of that? And perhaps you're feeling like a failure. Listen to me very carefully. This proverb is not calling you to perfection. This proverb is not calling you to perfection. Jesus Christ came to die for sinners, only sinners. Jesus Christ came to die for moms, only imperfect moms. This proverb is not calling you to be perfect. It is, however, pinpointing your God-ordained priority, which is your home, your family. It's important that Christian women understand their primary calling to their families Because when you understand that and you embrace it wholeheartedly, God will bless your family through you. Even as you continue being imperfect, He will bless your family. So this is the woman's call to her family, but notice that it goes beyond that. She's not just skilled in domestic art, she has a public ministry. Look at this, verses 20 to 22, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. This same woman who has worked so hard to provide for her family, now with those same hands, she opens them and she gives generously to people in the community, people who are in need. She sees the ministry opportunities around her. She shows her love for God by loving others in tangible ways. She's not afraid of snow for her household. We learn in this proverb, in this hymn, that this woman is afraid of only one thing. Only one. We'll see it at the end. But she's not afraid of the future. She's not afraid of the elements of the wintry weather headed their way because she knows she has provided for her own home, for everyone in it, wool, scarlet wool. They're good. Nothing to be concerned about. And then verse 22. Now verse 22 is important. Because it's the one and only verse in the entire proverb that shows the valiant woman's self-care. She makes bed coverings for herself. How is it that she's able to love and to serve and to sacrifice for her family in this way? How can she do it? She knows that the only way that's sustainable over the long haul is occasionally to get a break. To get a break. In our house, we call this a me party. Fellas, mom needs a me party from time to time. Dads, she needs you to take the kids and just go away. Just go away. Get out of the house. 
leave her at home with a quiet house, a good book, big glass of wine. It's biblical, fellas. It's biblical. It's the only way for her to continue sacrificing, serving so selflessly the way that we've seen her do throughout this entire proverb. Look at verses 23 and 26 as well. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So now for the first time, we really meet her husband, and we learn that he is an influential man in the community. The gates in these days, it was a place where the leaders would gather to make decisions, to deliberate, and to make decisions that would affect the entire city. So this man is a ruler of some sort. He has an important role in the community, but the implication here is that the husband cannot do what he is called to do for the city without the support of the valiant woman. He cannot be who he is called to be without her, that strong helper, that warrior, that huntress, the valiant woman. They're a team. They're a team always. And then... The climax of it, verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. The valiant woman is known for her speech. Ladies, I want you to understand the power that you have. You are like the thermostat of your home. With your words, you can regulate everyone's temperature. If you are hot-headed, quick-tempered, unkind with your words, it will affect everyone in the household. Earlier in Proverbs, we're told that it's better for a man to live on the roof than to live in a house with a quarrelsome wife. I was preaching that passage one time in this very church, and a gentleman in the back said, Amen! Really loud. I was like, hey, your funeral, brother. Your funeral. Ladies, you are like the thermostat. If you're hot-headed, quick-tempered, unkind, it will affect everyone, and perhaps your husband would rather live on the roof. But the flip side is also true. If you open your mouth and out comes wisdom and kindness, you will have a cooling and calming effect on everyone in your home. That's the power that the Lord has given you. The valiant woman opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She's a master of the domestic arts. She also has a public ministry. Now, in closing, I want us to notice how she's admired, how she's praised by her family. Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. This woman who throughout the proverb has given so much, sacrificed so much, has been the center of nothing. Here at the very end, she becomes the center of the praise of the family. Of course, they worship the Lord first and foremost. They see her, the valiant woman, as a gift from the Lord to their family. And so her children, they express gratitude. Ladies, I'm praying that verse 28 will serve as an encouragement for you today, especially those of you with young children at home. I know it's tough. I know that video we just watched is so incredibly true. It's easy 
to lose sight of that big picture of what God is doing? That goal of raising your children and one day sending them out to live as faithful participants in God's plan in the world, raising them into faithful and grateful men and women. When you're caught up in the diapers and the discipline, the sleepless nights and the school projects, you got to remember the long game, the big picture. It's easy to think this one little bitty nail, this one little bitty wall, it's not really going to have an effect on the house that we're building. But a wise builder knows better. A wise builder knows better. Knows that every one of those tiny nails, they're going to add up. And one day those walls are going to come together. And you'll have something beautiful to show for it. Keep that in mind in the thick of it right now. And then at the husband, look at what he says. Her husband says, he praises her. Many women have done excellently. You surpassed them all. In other words, he's got the best. He's got the best, so he forgets the rest. The whole world to him appears in black and white, and she's the only thing he sees in color. That's my line I use on Jamie. Guys, you can't have it. Come up with your own. (laughs) He's got the best, so he forgets the rest. He realizes the gift that the Lord has given him and given his family. And here's how it all closes. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. It fades. It fades. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. I said earlier that this valiant woman has only one fear. Only one. And here it is at the end. She fears the Lord. She fears the Lord. And this is the secret, ladies. This is the secret to living this type of valiant life. To fear the Lord is not the same thing as to fear spiders or snakes. To fear being buried alive or drowning. No, it's not a hatred. It's not a terror. In the Bible, the person who fears the Lord has encountered the Lord's presence, received His guidance, and then responded with affectionate reverence. Total allegiance of the life. To fear the Lord is to know the Lord, to hear His voice through His Word, and to follow Him. And this type of relationship with the Lord is the key, ladies, to living the type of life that this valiant woman lives. Let me show you how it works in closing. In a very famous book written many years ago by C.S. Lewis called The Four Loves, he identifies four types of love. The first he calls affection, which refers to familial love, the kind of love we're talking about this morning in Proverbs. The second is friendship. The third is eros, or romantic love, also included in Proverbs 31. The fourth one Lewis calls charity, or divine love. Now, according to Lewis, the first three of these are natural loves, meaning that everyone has them. Believer, unbeliever, everyone has them. But the problem with the natural loves is they will not do what they've promised to do without the help of divine love. In other words, all of our natural loves are a little bit broken. They're not as beautiful, not as powerful as they could be with the help of charity of divine love. To become a believer is to receive divine love. It's to receive the love of God himself. 
the love he demonstrated supremely for us by sending his son Jesus to die in our place for our sins. That's the divine love. To become a believer, to receive that love, is also to be equipped to express it. It means that by the power of the Holy Spirit within you, now all of your natural loves, eros, friendship, affection, they've all been infused with that divine love. They're all better. They're more powerful. They're more beautiful. Now with that divine love within you, God's own love in your hearts, you'll be more patient with your children. You'll be able to forgive people when they hurt you. You'll be able to love in a sacrificial, self-giving way. It's the only way you can become like the valiant woman. So you see, ladies, this is the secret. It all begins with fear of the Lord. It begins with you knowing the Lord. Hearing his voice in the scriptures and following him. This is why I say all the time that if you know in your heart... You need to be a better mom, a better wife, a better friend, a better whatever. What you really need is the gospel. What you really need is to believe, deep down believe and begin to apply in your life the good news of God's love for us and his son, Jesus Christ. That's the secret. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Proverbs and this great and profound encouragement from Proverbs 31. My prayer this morning, first of all, is for the men. That those of us who have a valiant woman in our lives, that we would indeed see her as the great, great gift from you that she is. And that we would celebrate her as such. I pray secondly for the children in the room. God, that you would teach them to be grateful humble seeing all the things that their mom does for them gives to them sacrifices for them and finally I pray for the moms for those who have been trying to do this on their own their natural loves are broken they won't be able to do it without you God I pray that you'll show them that today. And for those who belong to you, but they're just tired. They need a break. <laughs> they need a me party. I pray that you'll provide that, God. Provide them with fresh energy, wisdom, strength, strong hands, wise words, kind tongues. You've given them a great responsibility and great power within their homes. I pray that they will wield that power for your glory, for your kingdom. Continue to build families, God. In the midst of all that's happening in the world, the way we change the world is by starting at home, training our own platoons, one family at a time. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.